and welcome to Good Darts. It is the podcast all about darts. The quality cannot be guaranteed and it's the first ever international edition of the Good Darts podcast because right now I am sat in Frankfurt Airport waiting for a number of hours before my connecting flight to reset and I am joined uh, not by Wayne Mardle because he doesn't do the Euro Tour because he's an idiot and doesn't realise it's the greatest professional tour in sport. Uh, it's Chris Murphy, Magic Murph. Uh, Chris, how many hours have you been here already? Uh, a couple more than you, Dan, and I think it's a disgrace that Wayne didn't take the trip himself to come and meet <laughs> here and record the podcast. Uh, well, look, I mean, we haven't been away for a couple of weeks for various reasons. Uh, one, unavailability and other technical issues. I, I do have some lovely audio of Wayne trying to talk on the podcast last night, but it just makes like this. So I wasn't going to subject you to 45 minutes of that. Um, but what we do have is a man in Murph who is commentating on the first ever PDC Women's Series. So let's talk about that, Murph. First off, initial reactions. Success seems the obvious one, and Dieter Hedman being a legend. Yeah, I think I think it was a success. I think that there were obviously three players that were better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, all three deserved to make it, but three doesn't go into two, and, and Dieter nicked it. Um, but yeah, I think it was a really good event. I think the standard was decent uh, by three players. It was very, very good. Um, and I think it was fairer as well than just having a, a qualifier, a one-off knockout tournament to get in the world championship. It ensured that the best players got there. What was it like during that final day having to try and work out what the standings were? Because it's easy enough it's all you know big tv tournaments there's none of this faffing around it's on pro tour days and things like that or the euro tour where you're commentating you're trying to do some sums you know what the rules are but you've got no real clue who's where and how the standards can change and i'll be honest there's not a great deal of help out there unless you're going to start listening to people on twitter who often get it wrong often don't know what they're talking about it's yeah. not easy is it no it's not and the truth was, in the quarterfinals, we were sort of, we were certain that Fallon still had a chance if she won the match. As it turned out, she would have had to win that match four 0 to stop Dieter yeah. getting winning a couple more legs. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. But the likelihood of that happening was unreal. Two players in second and third spots, the decisive spots of the qualifying events, having exactly the same record. So the way that it worked was obviously it went on ranking money at first, mm. and then each player would, was allocated. As kind of a backup system, points for their performance, depending on how far they got in each tournament. But by the end of it, obviously, Fallon had won one, lost in a final, lost in a semi, and lost in a quarter, mm. and so had Dieter. So then it went down to legs one, and by the time Fallon got to the semi final and the final event, she'd just fallen short, and we finally managed to, to work that out just before the semi-final started. I mean, were you aware of all the conspiracy theories online at the time? Because that my, my favourite thing was watching some people on social media going to complete mental gymnastics, going, oh, it's a conspiracy <laughs> theory to get Fallon into the world. And then about 20 minutes later going, oh, it's a conspiracy to get Fallon out of the world. Like, I mean, just, they nobody, there were people making predictions and making weird claims. It's absolute nonsense. And it, the only thing was, it was very, very tight and difficult to work out. The rules are there. The rules were there early doors, but just nobody really thought it'd come down to that. Yeah, it's, it was very strange. It didn't look at Twitter too much during it, trying to re- rely on uh, official channels to make sure we yeah. got the right information out there. But I've seen it since as well. There are still people saying that kind of thing. And actually, um, it's a shame that it's become so tribal there seems to be certain camps and you're only allowed to support one player and now you're only allowed to support one female player yeah. and it's just really weird because the whole thing was supposed to be about uh, giving the ladies an opportunity to play rising standards a couple of them qualifying for the world championship and it's ended up being this kind of it's not fair on Fallon or since then why does why do Lisa and Dieter not get the coverage that Fallon oh, got I want to address this right Murph's a trained journalist I'm a trained journalist right there are plenty of people who, who aren't trained journalists out there but there are also plenty of who perhaps should shout louder at this if the BBC for a start if the BBC are going to write an article about women's darts A that's really good for everybody if they're going to have that thing Fallon Sherrick you know that Fallon Sherrick who got worldwide coverage unprecedented coverage for the World Darts Championship, 
if she doesn't qualify, that's the headline. Yes, Lisa and Dieter qualifying is a massive part of it. But the fact is, she's the, she's the one that gets the clicks. She's the one that makes people go, oh yeah, I know her. Then if you're not a darts fan, or a really casual darts fan, Lisa Ashton, uh, uh, why, uh, Dieter Hedman, yes, I know they're legends of the game if you're a darts fan, but you're trying to tell the story, and the story is Fallon has missed out. You click on the story, it says Lisa and Dieter is qualified. That's how it works. That's what headlines do. It's about the most, the biggest bit of news at the very top of the story to get people's interest. Uh, absolutely. If Michael Van Gerwen goes out of a tournament, it's the headline is MVG loses, not yeah, other not guy wins. Beats him yeah, or whatever. exactly. Yeah. And I also think, actually, in the last couple of days, there has been quite a lot of coverage about Dieter, and the same people have not really been retweeting that say how fantastic it is to get that coverage. So, yeah, it is, it is strange, but, I mean, stay off Twitter, Dan, probably, yeah, I mean, the answer that's, to that's, that. that's very, very wise. Um, what do you make of the women's series as an idea? Because, obviously, this has created a lot of, of talk, and there are people going, right, well, that's it, I want 30 women's series players' championships, I want a women's match play and a women's world championship. I, I personally think this is mad, because the whole thing about Fallon Sherrick is that she showed at the last world championship that women can compete in the same tournaments as men and this is a unique thing for darts mm -hmm. and she can compete on a level footing and beat them and be beating them to win the same prize money now there is undoubtedly i think the women's series show there are not enough female players and we need to do more to be able to increase the strength and depth and make it worthwhile playing for them but the last thing that fallon sherrick beating men at their own game in their tournaments Surely the weird, weird conclusion from that would be, right, well, after that, let's send all the women off to play in their own tournaments so they're not competing against men. That seems counterintuitive to me. Absolutely, I totally agree. And in fact, Lisa Ashton has proven that the women can compete with the men, not just for a set in the World Championship a couple of years ago, but on the Pro Tour this year. Mm. She's beaten the likes of, well, she's beaten Michael Smith, the woman yeah. before. Um, and Mikuru Suzuki is very competitive at the World Championship as well. So we do know that is the case. I think you're right. It's a massive, unique selling point for darts compared to other sports that different genders can play in the same tournaments. And to, to get more women playing, I think this is the right thing to do, to have women's only events. I think it was right to do it as a qualifier for the World Championship because you're guaranteed to get the most deserving players in there rather than a one-off knockout tournament. But I don't see it as something that becomes its own tour mm. I see it kind of being like a means to an end and the end result is more women playing darts the standards rising on these women's series events and in women's darts and eventually more and more women playing on the main tour yeah I think in the same way as you approach getting more players from certain parts of the world to play darts you're approaching that with the whole gender issue you want a top down element of it the top down thing is you have a big prize something to work for places at the World Championship, which is what they brought in at the PDC. Um, maybe other tournaments you could have a woman in there or a qualifier or whatever. But you give that big prize from the top down, but then you also need something more grassroots, something from the bottom up. Now the problem that we've got here, the BDO has gone bang, uh, the WDF is unable to fill that void at the moment, but you are hoping, and from what I understand from the WDF, they do intend to have a comprehensive women's system around the place. Now, if that can be supplemented by the PDC with things like the Women's Series, there's also the Challenge Tour, there's also the Development Tour. There are options there for more women to get into the game. And when they see people like Lisa or Fallon or Dita or whoever competing at the Worlds and hopefully giving good accounts of themselves, then that may inspire them to get involved in things like the Women's Series, the Challenge Tour, the Development Tour. And I'm not even sure whether people chuck in 60 averages or 50 averages against each other. A, I don't think that's going to make good TV for a one-off event. I don't think it actually helps them improve. I think that they need to test themselves against the men, and now we do have systems in place where they can do that. Apologies for the PA, <laughs> by the way. This is Frankfurt Airport, and I think there is a mad person over there as well. So that might be a special guest on the podcast, the mad person who's been kicking the living hell out of a pillar for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> um, anyway, what do you make of that, Murph? Anyway? Yeah, I might have got this wrong. I might have got this wrong. That's just my personal view. No, I think, I think, I think you're exactly right, actually, Dan. And I for think, a change? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I think it is... Um, what can we call it? It's overreaction, um, overhyped by people who, who want 
everything to happen all at once. And I actually think if you did something like that, if, if the PD, and the PDC won, the PDC know what they're doing. Mm. First of all, credit to them for giving the women players something to play at this time because mm. it's been very difficult to get anything on sort of stuck true to the word and managed to get something on is fantastic um, I think that there's a danger that if they did go down that road that it would have a very very short shelf life for the reasons that you've just explained I it think would that, damage it yeah would damage women's exactly darts, exactly I, I think. think it would and right now women's darts because of Fallon Sherrick last year because of Lisa Ashley on the pro tour because of Dita at the women's series is has got a very good reputation. Mm. It's got a reputation that probably right now is higher than the reality of the general standard of women's darts mm. because it has three or four leading lights and we need to see those three or four people in big tournaments and then everybody else sort of catching up a little bit. And also over time, people have never picked up a dart before picking up, picking up darts because they've seen uh, a woman do well at the World Championship, are inspired by that, and all of a sudden we, in a, we unearth the first ever female world champion or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you, you want to find the female Phil Taylor, but that's the, it's the same approach that you want from Asia and, and all these other places. Um, because you go into new territories. Look, Germany wasn't throwing it's a, it's big, a, big players out, was it? And Asia's a good example as yeah. well because you look at the players that come to the World Championship, but they weren't competitive five or six years well, ago. Much more. Time. But now they're a real danger. But there is an Asia tour there as well. Yeah. They, 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 you've got the top-down offer of them playing at the World Championship. You've got the bottom-up offer where the PDC have created an Asia tour. Now, I'm not sure PDC creating a women's tour as such because they've got so many options anyway. The challenge tour, with the development tour, get them young, get them up to the you know realistic standards mm. if they're going to compete, and you know that's where they'll get better. That's where they'll improve. I, I think and it's a long process. And suddenly going, oh well, Fallon won a couple of games at the Worlds. Lisa's got a tour card. Let's go and hold a, a, a women's match play. I just don't. I think it does more damage. Does more harm than good. To be honest. Yes, it's great for Lisa or Fallon or whoever who can hoover up some prize money but I'm not really sure it does much for the women's game other than harms its own brand and image. It takes a while to get more into the game. But it's a very tricky issue. I'm glad I don't make the decisions on it. But I think it's, I think it's certainly a step forward. But I think we've got to walk before we can run with the women's game. There are only a, a few players in the world right now who can run, so let them. Let's go and do it. Definitely. Fallon, Fallon may be. She might have done enough to get to the World Championship. That will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because... The qualifiers for the World Championship, we're not going to have all of them held. It's been impossible. Some have been cancelled. There are going to be some extra spots. Now, for my money, I would then start allocating those to the qualifying processes where you've played a number of events. Think, you know, give another one to the Pro Tour in America. Give another one to the Dev Tour. Give another one to the Challenge Tour. Give another one to the Nordic and Baltic. Or the Women's Series. These are multiple event qualification systems where if you've narrowly missed out, you've narrowly missed out after playing lots and lots and lots of games of darts. That seems fairer to me. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fallon does sneak in via that route because we've got spaces available. I think that's, that's right as well. I think it would be much fairer than than the prospect of potentially dishing out wild cards to the likes of Raymond Van Barneveld or Phil Taylor if they decided to come back. But it won't be the scandal that some people will make it out to be if that happens. In actual fact, Fallon deserved to qualify for the World Championship. It just so happens that so did Dieter Hedman and there was only two spaces. <laughs> yeah, and it's two, what, two legs was the difference? Yeah, yeah, I think it was three. In the, was it two or three in the end? Yeah, but she had exactly the same record she was one of the best three players by far and I think you're right it's unlikely that we're going to fill the quota for, for several reasons why not take fill those places from people who've deserved them over a period of time for events for example like the women's series was rather than having some last minute qualifier or dishing out wild cards I think it's much much fairer and Personally, I would like to see all three of them at the World Championship. Yeah, I, I would too, and I, I think they could, they're all very capable of giving good accounts of themselves. I, I was disappointed Mikuru couldn't get involved, but look, mm -hmm. we're living in strange times here. It's, it's difficult for anybody to travel across the other side of the world. Looks like the Philippines aren't playing in the World Cup, of yeah. darts, I understand. But look, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We are we, Stephen Bunting and Adrian Lewis. As we sit here, we've just heard that they're going to be playing in the Euro Tour yep. this weekend. That's all good news, but. You know, the, the constant testing and travelling this isn't going away either this isn't going to be all sorted 
by spring. I'm sorry to not go all Carol Sakura on you and tell you everything's going to be fine in a fortnight, but it isn't. This is this is very much going to stay with us. Well, let's hope we do have a world championship yeah, at that, the very yeah. least. You exactly. know, that's not certain by any stretch of the imagination. Dan, don't let us move on from the women's series without me giving a shout out to my good commentary colleague, the best commentator I've ever worked with, <coughs> Colin Lloyd. What a man. Excellent, what a man. excellent debut in the commentary box. He'd not done it before, had he? He hadn't, and I, and I weirdly thought he had. I just yeah. assumed that, that someone like Colin, with his kind of personality, had, had, had done that job, and he hadn't. Um, he works as a spotter for, mm. for Sky Sports, but he was in the commentary box. It was a pleasure to work with, and I think it was an excellent debut, and I think they're going to have to get rid of someone from the PDC team and, and, and shove him in there. Yeah, I mean... I think we all know what Merv's getting at. Uh, let's talk about all the other stuff that's happened because we've seen Duzzer win the Premier League recently. Mm. We've seen Dirt Van Dijvenboda make a major final and lose out to Price at the Grand Prix. We've seen Jose de Sousa pick up his first Euro Tour title. Out of all three of those, what's the one that stands out to you? Even though it was probably the most disappointing night in terms of standard probably Glenn Durant winning the Premier League and particularly referring to the semi-finals for the, for the standard. Uh, they, they, I mean, I'm not going to mince my words here. It was the worst game <laughs> in the entirety of the Premier League. Yeah. In terms of standard, the drama at the end was quite good, but it was absolute pony. They don't yeah. write averages on trophies though, do no, they? No, Chris and Murphy, one-time Premier League <laughs> champion. And yeah, I mean, that's a potential qualification route for the Ali Pali, surely. <laughs> um, but yeah, Glenn Durant, uh, it's just kind of like a... He owns a Premier League... Finishing top and then winning the finals night is something very special. There were only two people who'd finished top of the table. In a way, for me, that's a bigger achievement than, yeah. than winning the finals. But I just think he kind of announced himself. I did, I was watching that semi final and thinking, has this guy who's won three world championship titles back to back got a problem with getting past semi finals? Yeah. I was kind of thinking that at the time, and, and I suppose it can be the case as your usual co-host on this podcast will know well, <laughs> the more you lose at that yeah. stage, the more difficult it becomes. It becomes a thing. Um, so that could be huge for him. But if he got, We may see him go on to win plenty of big TV tournaments now in the PDC. The, the Dirk thing was interesting because I was pretty certain that Simon Whitlock was going to beat him in the semi-final, the way that he'd played up to that point. Mm. And then Simon played like a man who thought that he was the worst player. I in mean, that semi-final match, a completely well, bizarre. Was the worst well, yeah, so he was he right. Significantly worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, the, the approach from Simon. I'm not sure what that was all about. I think John Part in on Sky said that he thought Simon had done it for himself. I'm not too sure about that. I think he he, he identified Dirk as someone who is kind of hyperactive to, to, to put it in a friendly way um, and it, it backfired because yeah, it did affect his own game and in the end Dirk was literally laughing at him yeah. he was literally laughing at him because the tactics didn't work yeah but in me saying that I don't want to take anything away from Dirk because he was fantastic to, after to, the first game against Mental, yeah. which was rubbish it was a really awful game of darts the worst one in the entire tournament where he came through against Mental, he played dreadfully after that, he was absolutely fantastic in that tournament. And not that much of a surprise, bearing in mind what we'd seen him do yeah, earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah, and I think this is interesting because for many, many years, you've been able to watch a pro tour in particular. He's, he's doing well, he's doing well. I think mm. he'll do something on TV. And then mm. they get up on the stage in front of a crowd and it doesn't happen. Um, it's a really weird situation now with no crowds. I mean, they're trying to make it as, as much like it would normally be as possible uh, but it was one of those where yeah he has produced some good stuff but there were other players that you might have expected to have that run before him but, mm -hmm. but he's had it now and, and it's there are a few players at the moment who've emerged I, I mean some of them have been around a while but they've emerged as a top player in a relatively short space of time and mm -hmm. maybe they've put in, been putting the work in for ages but we're seeing the fruits of that labour yeah. really quickly. The last two European two winners, for example, Devin Peterson's been around a while but nothing like he is now. Jose de Sousa was at the World Championship what, nearly 10 years ago yeah. and just disappeared and without a trace. One of those international qualifiers where you just think, oh well, it must, must have been a 
must have been a pretty dodgy qualifier because yeah. he's not going to do much. And to be fair, even when we saw him more recently against Michael Barnard, yeah. it wasn't that impressive. But his first two years on the tour have been absolutely But had he won that match, Dan, in 2012, I think it was 2012 at the World Championship, mm. around then, then they would have been calling for a Portuguese pro tour, wouldn't they? And it, the Portuguese <laughs> World Championship. But, but yeah, I think the question, yeah, Dirk, it's, it's quite remarkable what he did. And the, and the little side story... Um, about what he does uh, in the oh. aubergine factory or whatever it is, brought it to life. It was really good in front of the camera as well. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of it these days, isn't that it? Is, that is part of it. Um, Jose de Sousa winning the Euro Tour. We will be taking a look at the fourth and final Euro Tour uh, of the year. Coming up, that's where we're going right now. The International Darts Open, the one that Gerwin Price always wins. But we have got an interview. It's done quite a while ago, actually. It was uh, on the day of the final of the World Grand Prix where I spoke to a man who was kind of a breakthrough, not a breakthrough TV star. He'd already done stuff at the World Championship, of course, but he certainly produced some of the best arts we've ever seen from him on a big stage. It was the man who knocked out the World Champion at the Grand Prix, Relentless Ryan Joyce. These are the questions that you should be asking. Well, welcome to the Good Darts Podcast to Relentless Ryan Joyce, the man with Tetris on his shirt. I want to start there, Ryan. Tetris, where's where's the whole Tetris thing come from? Are you like an old school gamer? I do like uh, retro computer games, yeah. Um, I just like the colours as well of the shirt. I thought I wanted something multicoloured, something a bit different. What sort of retro games are we on about? I'm, I'm a sort of Streets of Rage, Golden Axe man. Oh, I like all them games. I like um, Super Mario games, all them things. The first game I ever played on years ago was Alex the Kid for the Master System. The Master System. We're what probably going back console? to about 1990. Big collection of uh, old consoles and old games. How, go on then, how big are we talking then? Well, just like one of each console and then say 10 or 15 of my favourite games for each console. So not, not a, I haven't got like thousands, it's probably more like just 100 different games. Oh, but it's qu- it's a quality collection rather than a quantity collection. It was expensive to put together. Has <laughs> computer games always been a thing for you then, ever since you were a kid? Like, was darts sort of a secondary thing? Has it always been computer games? Yeah, I've always liked playing on a computer. Um, I, don't, I didn't start playing darts until I was about uh, 19 years old. Okay. Are you any good at modern games? Because there's, there's quite a few lads who are properly into FIFA, Call of Duty... And, and things like that on the tour. Is, is that really not your bag? You'd rather go and play, I don't know, Street Fighter 2 or whatever? Oh, no. Uh, I like the new games as well. Well, some of them. Um, I, I like Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. Grand Theft Auto is a dangerous one, though. Is it? I mean, how many lo- hours of your life have you lost to Grand Theft Auto? Because that's the re- I won't buy it because I'm terrified that I'll just, I'll just disappear for seven weeks and nobody will ever see me again. Yeah, quite a long time playing on it. Uh, Call of Duty probably the worst, though. I think I spent uh, six months locked in my room playing on that when when it first came out years ago. <laughs> okay, what, what's the longest, the longest continual session you've had in front of a console or a screen playing computer games? Have you got any idea? I reckon I've probably done about two and a half days doing Football Manager at some point. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, probably about... 16 hours at the most. 16 hours, yeah. Football managers... I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then wake up and do it again. I've done that. I've oh, done yeah, that obviously, yeah. But yeah. Uh, not continuous for two and yeah. a half days. I don't think that's possible. I know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, some tales from uni. One guy was playing... Uh, one guy I know played Tiger Woods Golf for three days solid. Uh, and then he went to bed and didn't get didn't come out for about two and a half days. So where does, where does darts fit in then? Because... Computer games was your thing. Darts is a strange thing to get into, I'd imagine, as a, a teenager. Was it was it a popular thing? I know it is in the northeast. Well, I, I worked in a pub at the time, and uh, my uncle ran the local team, and they were short one night, and I said I'd play. Were you good straight away? Yeah, I won my game, so I, I played the next week. How much effort have you had to put in to become the player you are now? It was a really long process over about 10 years to get good enough to play a Q-School. Like, when I first started, I, I quickly became the best player in my local pub team. And then I got offered the chance to go and move to a better team in the local area where I wasn't the best player, but I wanted to be the best player, so I would go and practice until I was the best player, you know. And I kept stepping up the levels like that throughout the years. At some point, you decided you were going to go and, and do the BDO stuff, wasn't it? It was just sort of, you had a year yeah. or two before before Q School. 
Um, and how did that come about? Were you still working I, in the pub? I didn't want to play in the BDO. I didn't want to do it. Uh, I went on holiday to Turkey with my uncle, and uh, there was a the Turkish Open was on at the time. They, they all went for that, and I said I would enter to play in the pairs with him. And uh, I ended up playing in the singles as well. And I, I got I got all the way to the final. What, so you did that by accident, I got accident, beat off basically. Martin Phillips in the final. And uh, I, I won a lot of money. I think it was something like a 1,000 euros. And I thought, mm. wow, this is good. I'm actually good enough to win big money here. I might as well have a go. And I got talked into it because I said, look, you've got all, you've got all these points that you've got, these ranking points. You might as well try and try and get more and try and qualify for the BGO World Championship. So that's what I've done. So hang on, you went on holiday to Turkey and then sort of just for a laugh thought you'd enter a tournament that happened to be there and got all these ranking points and then that started your BDO career? Yeah. <laughs> Good effort. You've accidentally become a darts player, Ryan. I was always a darts player, but um, I was never. I never had any thoughts of doing it professionally. So... It takes a lot of commitment to, to chase those ranking points all over the place. Yeah. So how did you manage to do this? Were you still working in the pub? Oh, no, I was doing a different job by then. Uh, I was working uh, in Matalan by then. Okay, so you're working in Matalan. That's, that sounds like a job that would be quite tricky to get out of, to travel to random places to play games of darts. Was that a difficult thing to manage? Yeah, it was at the time. I missed a, I missed quite a few tournaments, uh, especially the overseas ones where I could, couldn't couldn't do it. I didn't have the money, or um, I couldn't get the time off work. What was I thinking about going and giving it a crack at Q School then? Because it's one thing chasing, you know, tournaments here and there where you've got a bit of time, where you've got a bit of money. But if you got on the PDC tour, you knew that you'd be away lots of the time. If you qualify for Euro tours, then I mean, it's very difficult to hold down a job at Matalan or wherever, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I can't remember how it came about, but um, I knew I didn't have the money to go to Q School because it's really expensive, and you've got to pay for the hotel for so many days. And um, I got introduced to my current sponsor now, um, Matthew, who runs Bit of Bully Dots, hmm. and um, he was looking for some because he had just bought the business, and he was looking for a couple of players, local players, to sponsor to um, boost the profile of his business. Mm -hmm. So I went down and spoke to him and had a game of darts and stuff and we got on well straight away and, and he agreed that he'd sponsor us for uh, uh, two years. So that gave you a little bit of a cushion where you thought, well, if, if I go, go and get my card on the PDC system, then I can at least give it a go. It didn't yeah. take you very long to start getting results, though, did it? Because, I mean, the first weekend you had a semi-final and a quarter-final. You must have thought the PDC was easy at that point. It was a bit surreal, I'll admit that. <laughs> like I say, that's a, that's the feeling I, I've had. It was a bit like it was, wasn't was really happening, a bit surreal. Did you know anybody at this point? Because, obviously, your mates with a lot of the Geordie lads now, the likes of Dobie and, and Callan Rids, all the lads who, who live up in that part of the world. But, I mean, were you going into Q School and, and the first PDC events as just being a complete, you know, kid in a new school? Probably, yeah. Uh, probably was. Obviously, I knew Chris Dobie, but uh, that's about it. Is that a difficult thing to do? I, I thought it was... Uh, I thought I was better suited to that than I am now. Really? <laughs> you prefer being a bit of an outsider. Why? Why do you say that? Well, I I would just go in. I'd be uh, at no distractions. I'd practice on me own. Nobody would talk to us. Um, I was in my own little bubble, and I was mentally better then than I am now. I think. Well, that's interesting. You say mentally better then than now, because you've just we just come into this with you having beaten the world champion Peter Wright on your debut at the World Grand Prix and won your first ranking title just, what, a matter of weeks ago. I mean, these are two massive highlights in your career, aren't they? It's, it's a difficult one, that. Um, I, I felt a lot more comfortable back then because uh, I had no... There was no expectations for myself or anybody else, you know. Now now it's different. There's, there's expectations now that you have to match. And... Since the first year in the PDC, I definitely haven't lived up to expectations on myself ever. But when you say expectation, whose expectations? Your own? 
yeah, my own and all the people around us because I've shown that I'm really capable of some fantastic darts, but I've been so inconsistent the last 18 months or so. And uh, that's, it, it starts to get you down after a while. You start, to, you start to try and change things and you look for improvement and sometimes you can go the other way. It can make you play worse when you try and change things all the time. Well, that's interesting because I remember we saw you in Gibraltar, didn't we? You were playing absolutely incredible stuff. I think you you remember that. I remember thinking that that was the start of something good. Yeah. Well, you said you just oh, it's just a tiny little way you ended up changing how I gripped the dart, and you were convinced yeah. it'd put like ten points on your averages, and then it well, just it did, didn't it? Well, yeah, it did for the... it did for sort of a couple of weeks, didn't it? Yeah, um... and then I, I think the next tournament after that. Um... I done it. I thought I was doing exactly the same, but obviously, I was averaging back in the eighties again, and I lost all confidence in that particular way of playing all over again. So that I was back to square one. Well, you have had some, you know, quarterfinal of the world championship, uh, beating Peter Wright just last week at the World Grand Prix, and making your debut there, winning that title. What did winning that title mean to you, Ryan? Because when I spoke to you, immediately afterwards, you said, "Oh, well, it's all good winning one, but I've got to win another one now and show it wasn't a fluke." That's not that's not the first thing that most people say when they win their first PDC title, you know. That's just the way I felt at the time, because of because um, for for months I haven't been right mentally preparing right for for the dots so you always worry that you're not going to be able to maintain the new high standard that you've set for yourself when you say you're not being prepared mentally correctly what do you mean and, and have you tried anything to, to change that to do anything about it yeah i'm always trying i'm always trying to um, improve but uh like i say once you change something there's always a chance that it could go wrong you know you look at your mates in the sport, the likes of Dobie or whoever. I mean, Dobie's had his plenty of his ups and downs. Every player, Michael Van Gerwen's has had his ups and downs over the last few years. He's going through a bit of a down by his own relative terms at the minute. Isn't yeah. that just part of the sport? And it's you know got to roll with the punches. And you know that you've got the quality there because those titles and wins against the likes of Peter Wright, you've got that quality and that that will come again. It's just a case of trying to do it as consistently as possible. You're probably right, yeah. Everything you say makes sense, but um, when you're in the down part, it's difficult to convince yourself that that's just the way it is in the sport. You go in expecting to play well, and then if you play badly, it, it rocks your confidence, it really does. It's really tough to get out of a um, slump in form. You should be absolutely flying right now, though, shouldn't you, with what's happened lately i mean you walked away from the grand prix having played some fantastic darts but do you do you feel that that was a success that week or do you come away feeling disappointed that you could have done more oh it's a huge disappointment um missing those seven darts at the double to beat uh dave chisnell and then um i've watched his two games since then and now i feel like i could have um matched i've done even better than that I felt like, uh, and then you look at uh, who, I think Gerwin Price playing um, Dirk in the final, isn't he? And he is, yeah. So that's That'll be day. tonight as we're talking. And, uh, you always look and you think, well, that could have been me. I could have been playing, um, I could have been playing in the Grand Prix final if I had if, um, just had a little bit more luck right at the end of the match. Okay, you've had, what, three visits to seven darts where you could have beaten Dave Chisnell, but everything leading up to that in the whole tournament was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, surely that's 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 the best you've played on telly for a longest consistent period, I would have thought. Yeah, it is. Um, I still feel like I just need a little bit more experience to feel completely comfortable because uh, I haven't played that much on that stage, especially not the last couple of years. Well, pressure is an interesting thing. Do you like that pressure, or do you find it? Do you feel like it's stopping you from from playing your best stuff? Uh, I've always been. I've always felt like I'm good under pressure. Um, but uh, sometimes, sometimes you do make mistakes, and I don't like to put it down to being under pressure, but it probably is. What's the plan? Do you think that oh, if I can nick titles here and there, and I can have runs on telly, I can earn a good living from this game? Or do you generally think that with experience and with time, that you can be top sixteen, top ten, world champion? Uh, well, that's that's definitely you've got to uh, hit the nail on the head there. It definitely comes down to time and experience. 
I need um I've just got to be patient, I think, because I'm not one of them players that's ever rocketed anywhere. I've always worked hard for years to get the way I am. And I need to keep doing the same thing now. But when I first joined the PDC, I thought um, I thought I could achieve things quicker than what, what in reality, it's much harder. Was that a difficult thing when you realised just how hard it is after that great start? You know, early on, winning games, beating the likes of Wade on your first weekend. And then after that, it's like, oh, this, this is tough. And those periods where you're not playing as well or you're not getting results, it's difficult just to keep positive more than be able to throw the darts properly. That is the most difficult thing that I've learned is, is that um, that it is so, so tough. Sometimes you can play, you can make no mistakes and still lose in the PDC. That's uh, that's the hardest thing that you have to accept. Well, do you think? Do you feel you're moving in the right direction? It seems to me like you are, but I don't know. Talking well, to you, I do now. Doesn't... I do now because um, I've always uh, I've always thought that it would be a long shot for me to ever win a PDC title, but. Just this this last couple like this last weekend or so when I played in the Grand Prix, I look back at that tournament and I really do believe that I could have won that tournament if uh, things had gone my way. So I've got to try and take that belief forward now and, and work even harder and try and uh, build on it because there's, there is three more major tournaments coming up this year, isn't there? I've got to be mentally prepared right for them because I think I can. I might be able to to do it, you know. I, I believe I can do it now. So Ryan Joyce, not what you would call a natural raconteur, um, but he is a man who's won a PDC title. And the the weird thing, well, we were there, weren't we, Murph? Mm-hmm. And immediately said. Well, it doesn't really count unless I win another one. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever heard somebody be so downbeat after winning a title like that. Yeah, yeah, very, very strange. Um, but Ryan Joyce did go into a World Championship quarterfinal saying he couldn't possibly win it as well <laughs> right. a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, there's no airs and graces about the guy, but he can, he can throw a dart. He, I think sometimes it helps um, if you kind of keep things simple. Mm. And, and and Ryan Joyce just gets up and throws his darts. There is one big bugbear that I think you've had to suffer more than I have when mm. he gets a bit behind in a match. He, he can kind of give up and start throwing his darts like Ricky Evans. Uh, yeah, I've seen him do this before where he's he's sped up and I've thought, is he just tossing this game off mm. now? Is he just like giving up? And then I've asked him about it and he said, no, I'm just trying to change something yeah. to do it. Well, I mean, it, every time I've seen him do it... It has changed. It's got it's, even worse. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, he's getting gone and lost the game. Is he? But look, the stuff we saw from him at the World Grand Prix, particularly against Peter Wright and then against Dave Chisnell, because he, he should have beaten Dave Chisnell, really. And had he done so, the way he was playing, I mean, it could have been Ryan Joyce in the final of the World Grand Prix, could he not? Yeah, and he went into that tournament saying it was his tournament. He mm. was talking about a man who, who talked himself down after winning a tournament. He, he was going into a, a big major, so expecting to win it. <laughs> and to the to the uninformed eye, there was kind of no basis for that. But apparently they play a lot of double start darts mm. in the area that he's from, and he was really confident on that. And that showed the way he was hitting that double 16 during that tournament to get in. But it all kind of fell apart against against Dave Chisnell. Do you like the new shirt, the new Tetris shirt? I mean, he's just saying there that he's a big fan of retro games, so that's where the whole ideas come from. I quite like it. I, I don't mind it, but I think if you're going to go with a theme, you've got to go all out and have the nickname and have the song and have the. You we had have the that. song, but it wasn't the quite song you wanted. I think you wanted a better remix. But the te- Tetris is mm. relentless. Well, it doesn't stop, does it? You can't. True, you can never true. beat it. True, true. Yeah, actually, yeah, you've you've, you've convinced me on okay. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other things I have seen in the last week or so is a new addition to the darts merchandise world. Which have you seen that the Gerwin Price armchair? I did see that. Yes, yeah, I did. Initial uh, initial thoughts? Um, not for me. Not no. not not to my is taste. A, is that a way of saying horrific? Um, yeah, it's horrific, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> really. Um, I, it is the weirdest. I mean, I, I wanted to ask Wayne if he's had to put his, been asked to put his name to any truly 
weird stuff. Phil Taylor used to get it all the time. He had. I know he, he could, asked to put his name to well, really weird stuff. I mean, sometimes, but he was approached by. <laughs> Uh, there was the the Phil Taylor power shakes like protein shake which he is not a natural person to be associated with a protein (laughs) shake you would think Jamie Caven will always be the king for it because on his website you could get the Jamie Caven condom right Uh, okay you could get I can't remember what the other things were but yeah the Jamie Caven condom is the standout one I don't know what's next 50% accurate 100% of the time (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the Matt, Ed- Matt Edgar will undoubtedly branch into this and probably have everything from. They've all got face masks now, haven't they? I've seen yeah, them yeah. around various airports wearing these. You know, you can identify dart player by face mask now. I think they should start wearing each other's face masks. That would make it more really interesting. Mess things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, anyway, it's a far cry anyway from the Dennis Ovens glove, which is something I knocked up back in the day. Uh, when doing On The Wire, which was basically this nonsense in a condensed format. Uh, we will be talking about the International Darts Open coming up, which is why we're sat in Frankfurt Airport right now uh, in just a moment. I just turned it on. The crowd starts going, semis. You just got to hold it now. When they're going in like that, easy. And I enjoyed it. Oh, here we go. Turned on. Absolutely brilliant. I'm very quick. And I'm, I'm not spamming my boat off too much. Whoa. I was enjoying it that much. I thought, well, why not? You know, enjoy it. I've still got the stamina. Brilliant. Turned on. And that's how I do it. I just, well, I just turned it on then. That's the whole point. Right, let's get on with it. Semis? Well, it's about me boat off. You know, enjoy it. Tonight, I'm going to go and enjoy it again. Hopefully, I'll perform as well as I have done. I just turned it on then. I can sit and watch everybody else sweat now. So as we're sat here in Frankfurt Airport, somebody started drilling very helpfully just behind us. Myself and Chris Murphy are here for the International Darts Open. So we're getting another flight to Riesa near Dresden over in the east of Germany. Uh, a regular haunt of the Eurotour, a regular place where Gerwin Price wins. What he does every year, he goes to Riesa, he wins the Eurotour, then he goes to the Grand Slam and wins that. He's looking to do both for a third time this year and he's obviously the man to beat, isn't he? I think he is, and I, I was trying to think had I been here before, and now you've talked through last year's tournament, I was here, right. commentating on the final with Mark Webster, I believe, last year. I think it was. Uh, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Gerwin Price won that title. Um, yeah, I think Gerwin Price is a guy who likes certain venues, likes certain events, and he's the man to beat, not only for that reason, I think another big reason that he's the man to beat is because I think he's probably the best player in the world right now. Well, Peter Wright's not here. Yep. And Michael Van Gerwen, I mean, look, okay, Paul Nicholson and I disagree on this because he's very keen to say Michael Van Gerwen's not in a crisis. I think he is in a crisis. When's the last time he won? I mean, yeah, obviously there hasn't been as many darts tournament on stage, but when's the last time he won? Is it the UK Open, the last time he won yeah. on the stage? So are you talking, what, seven months? Yeah, seven months, and he's, he's gone to a couple of Euro tours and looked He's lost with 90 averages. He lost with a 91 or 90 to Moving King. Mm-hmm. He threw a 91 in that final against Jose de Salsa. And he was pretty fortunate to get to that step. Vincent should have beaten him in an awful game of darts mm-hmm. early on in the tournament. When Michael Van Gerwen gets out of this crisis, which, oh, he's gonna make which, everybody pay. which he will, then everybody will agree that it was a crisis. That's what I think. And I think a lot of people... They know that he's going to make everybody pay, as you just said. So they kind of say, well, it's not only a crisis because of what he's going to do. But right now, he's not doing it. And I think the interesting thing is the couple of finals we've seen him in and, and he's been unable to win them. And I think that's that's really significant. I think, obviously, he had that day on the floor where he won an event in the summer series, autumn series. Yeah, he won one in the autumn series, two in the summer yeah. series. I mean, he still picks up. Top. He's still incredible. He's still one of the very best players. But he's not averaging 100 every Ima- time. He imagine gets. being able to win in a crisis. Because I agree, that's yeah. what it is. But I think there are a few factors at play. Now, there's no secret that I, I worked with Michael Van Gogh in a, mm. a few years ago. I know him quite well. I think that he's probably sort of written the year off mentally. Mm. And that probably wasn't doing much practice. Had a little bit of a shock when the, the darts came back after a period of time off. Um, he won't be writing off the end of the year with the big majors, so he'll be working towards that now. Um, but I think 
he's probably paying the price for taking his foot off the gas a little bit and not preparing and not practicing. I think actually Vincent van der Voort's already backed that up and I believe anything that Vincent says reg- regarding Michael van Gogh's mindset. In fact, I believe anything that Vincent says anyway. He's never lied. He always yeah. speaks his mind to be <laughs> yeah. fair. Often to his own detriment. <laughs> yeah, but he does, he does speak straight, does, does Vincent. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't fancy him anymore. I, don't, I, I look at this, this weekend... And I think Michael Van Gogh, okay, you've got to go and win five games. Now, normally on a Euro Tour, because I've seen him do it 32 times, I think, what's his lowest average going to be? It might only be about 103, so somebody's going to play amazingly if they're going to have to stop him. Yeah. Um, nowadays... That's going to th- be his highest average. Well, I mean, that, nowadays, that. I think somebody could, could knock him out first or second game because he's going to average 92. Like, I genuinely feel that at some... And I've never felt like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's weird to process it. I still know he's capable of, of doing things that perhaps... 99% of this field cannot do. He's an incredible darts player, but he's not as consistent anymore, and his confidence looks shot. He's not, and look, this tournament could change in terms of it could be some jiggery-pokery of the seedings if players aren't able to play, mm-hmm. but as things stand, he's supposed to meet Michael Smith in the last 16, uh, Dave Chisnell in the quarterfinals, and then potentially Peter Wright in the semis. Well, it won't be Peter Wright, will it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, that, so the list that we're looking at now is completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't <laughs> um, be Peter Wright. But yeah. So, but Ian White, for example. Or, yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Or somebody like that. Yeah. Or Mensor. And then, Mensor uh, looks rejuvenated. And then do you get past all that, and he's still got to either get past Gerwin Price or could run into someone like Jose de Sousa as he did last week. Yeah. Um, he's, he's lost to Devon Peterson convincingly on the floor already this year. So there are loads of players in there. I think you're right that first of all could beat him straight away mm. but the other thing is Dan everyone fancies their chances now against Michael Van yeah. Gerwen let's go back to the start of the show we were talking about the women's series they were only beating each other those three Lisa Fallon and Dieter were only beating each other everybody else was kind of half beaten before they played them mm. probably in the same way that players were when they played Phil Taylor it was how far can I get in a tournament before, before I, I run meet Phil it, Taylor yeah. and, and Michael Van Gerwen's had that he's mm. had that for, for a bit of time but then, in the last year, maybe two years, three or four players have started to get more confident, and we're at the point now where everybody fancies their chances. I think well, you only have to look. You only have to look at what Gerwin Price. The Gerwin Price could not beat him. Gerwin Price had got better and better and better and become one of the best players in the world, but he still couldn't beat MVG. But look at the games; they were getting closer and closer, and then they were all going to the last two legs, then the last one leg. Then he was drawing. Then he was missing match darts and losing, and then he beat him. And now he can beat him, and he knows he can beat him. And now I make him mm-hmm. the red hot favourite to play, beat Michael Van Gogh. And if they go head to head in the final, then I believe that Gerwin Price is much more likely to win that game than Michael Van Gogh is right now. He might convince me otherwise, Michael Van Gogh, because he might over the next two days he goes and averages 110 in every match because yeah. he can, because he's amazing. But I don't think it's going to happen. But that's what I found interesting is the fact that he he won that event in Germany in the autumn series mm. and then we all expected it was after he changed the darts when everyone thought oh that was the only problem it wasn't it's not the darts everyone, many people thought right he's back now he'll win two of the next three didn't happen mm. got to the final last weekend he'll win this and then he's back didn't happen so I think you're right and obviously Dan it's not important what you or I think no. but what is important is what Michael Van Gerwen thinks and what Gerwin Price thinks and Gerwin mm. Price has openly said that at his best he thinks he's better than Michael Van Gerwen yeah. and Michael Van Gerwen won't say it but he's probably not as confident as he was a couple of years ago right well, now even if Michael Van Gerwen doesn't think that and he still thinks he's the best in the world he is certainly going to have to hold it. If Vincent van der Voort is saying that Gerwin Price might be the best player in the world, mm-hmm. then Michael van Gerwen is certainly entertaining the notion mm-hmm. of it, and that is not a position that he's ever been in before. And, and, and before, I thought Peter Wright, Peter Wright won the World Championship. The start of this year, I thought he was. I mean, I thought he was that good that he was going to win a tournament he wasn't in a few moments ago. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, again, maybe there's a big three... In, in the main tour as well and would you put Michael Van Gogh in third in that pile I, I, right I now? I would I would right now um, we haven't got the draw in front of us so we can't make detailed predictions if you want to get involved in making your predictions on the International Darts Open you can go on the low six and PDC picks apps it's small stakes betting uh, to win actual cash money um, Murph and I I'm just going to get us to pick out a seeded player to mm-hmm. watch and an unseeded player to watch because and I'm not going to let you have Gerwin Price because he's the two-time champion and we've just said may well be the best player in the world who from the other seeds and it is a bit dodgy because we're not entirely sure who's there who who do you want to see who are you interested in seeing and think could do some damage this weekend 
uh, I'm going to probably steal your thunder of a player you've been wanting to see do damage and did do da damage on the Euro Tour uh, last year, but you've been saying this for a number of years, and that's Joe Cullen. Ooh, um, yeah, interesting. And I think, having seen his best mate, Devin Peterson, do what he's done, Joe has almost noticeably taken on a little bit of extra motivation some of his performances on the last floor event were, were really really good mm. um, when he's on he, he's fantastic to watch and I'd, I'd be interested to see how he does in this tournament I think that he, he could go a long way it was really weird he, he went out on the final day of the Euro Tour last week and just said about an hour before he went on stage he just got this weird feeling that he couldn't hit anything and he mm -hmm. never felt it before and he went and averaged 79 or something and got annihilated it was weird I'd never seen him mm -hmm. like that but I certainly I d I'm not expecting that from him again I think the man's incredible so you're agreeing you're I, both I, going Cullen no 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 oh. I'm going to pick somebody else um, and I think Peter Wright uh, no, we're not <laughs> still banging the Peter Wright drum. Peter Wright's so good he can win tournaments He'll without win. even being I'll tell you there. what he will, he'll definitely win the World Cup. You know, you know, it's so weird. We're going to see a Euro Tour season for the first time in years where Peter Wright hasn't won one. Yeah. Going, we could see one where Michael Van Gerwen hasn't won one, which would be absolutely mind-blowing. And I think Dave Chisnell might be the man if he does run into mm -hmm. him we're not sure how it all pans out at the minute because I'm not sure who's going to be there but I think Dave Chisnell has been playing good enough stuff often enough of late to be very very impressive what about the unseeded players uh, it's easy to say Jose de Sousa like, yeah. um, but but I won't I'm going to Dirk's there Dirk's there I'm going to say, and it's probably a little bit on the boring side, but it's not someone who's won one, mm. um, but consistently good, Danny Noppert. Danny Noppert, yeah, a massively, massively underrated. I'm looking forward to seeing Lung Kai Fan. I have to say, Madis Rasmus throwing some great... He might yep. be the best treble 19 hitter in the world. He's unreal. Certainly now Michael Van Gerwen doesn't need it as much, but it, he really should just start on treble 19 and stay there all game, <laughs> Madis Rasmus. Um, someone did on, on the women's series. Did they? Oh, I missed that. Maggie Sutton, I believe, in there. Oh, was. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, what the what the is it? Good nickname, good shirt game in, in um, the women's series. I saw uh, who was it? Somebody had an elephant on their shirt for reasons I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Is it was it impress? Any impressed you? Uh, Colin Lloyd's shirts impressed me just because they were a few <laughs> sizes smaller than they were last time I saw him. Oh, um, good he's man. been doing some some boot camp. To full respect to him. Um, I, I remember a player called Twinkle. Um, Twinkle. Yeah, that came. Oh, that's nice. That, yeah, that was all right. I think I can't, I can't remember any really significant nicknames or shirts. Okay, well um, that's fair enough. But you're, you're going Danny Nopper unseeded, and you're going Joe Cullen seeded player to watch out for this weekend. I am. Arts I okay, well I'm going to go Dave Chisnell amongst the seeds. I'm going to go for uh, I'm going to go for Dirk Van Dyke. I think I think it's the year of the beefy dart player, Devin Peterson. Uh, Dirt Van Dyven Boda achieving things that they've never achieved before. If you want to make your picks as soon as the draws are completed, then you can get on the Low Six app. Uh, as I say, small stakes betting to win actual cash money prizes. Remember, though, if you are uh, getting involved on the Low Six app, you've got to be 18 years old. You've got to be resident in the UK. Terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. If you don't, when you wake up in the morning, you'll have the same haircut as Chris Murphy and you will never be able to get rid of it. No barber will touch you. And that, I assure you, will ruin your life. So don't do that. But do remember if you or a friend have problems with gambling, seek help straight away and visit begambleaware.org.